Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And welcome to the Lob and Smash Podcast. This is our first podcast ever, so if it sounds bad, it'll get better, I promise. I'm Lee, and that's Wendy. Wendy, how are you today? Good. I'm great. How are you, Lee? I am doing okay. I'm glad to talk a little tennis. So like a thousand years ago, I used to do a tennis podcast called The Tennis Scene, um, which was like 10 years ago that nobody ever heard except for me. I always go back and listen to the podcast just to see how bad I sound. I'm like, yeah, I blew that. Can't really change it because it's a podcast. But um, definitely glad to be talking talking tennis again. Um, so let's just go, go ahead and get into it. Um, again, thanks for listening, Lob and Smash. You can check our stuff out at lobandsmash.com. Uh, Wendy and I are both co-experts at the site. So if you see something and you read it and you hate it, uh, that's probably my stuff. Uh, I apologize. And Wendy's stuff is much better. Um, and you can always just uh, find us on social media at Lob and Smash as well on Twitter and or Facebook. Um, but there's, there's, you know, let's just review the the year a little bit. I mean, we're just late February at this point. We've already had the Australian Open. Yannick Sinner is clearly refusing to lose this year. Um, what are some of the biggest takeaways you have so far this year, both men and women? Or doubles. I guess we could talk doubles for 30 minutes. That would bore people, maybe. But... <laughs> um, Yannick Sinner has been – there were times – in before that I questioned his fitness or I questioned his mental toughness. Well, he's made a total fool out of me on all of that and went and won the Australian Open and hasn't stopped, which is almost more impressive, almost, than winning the Australian Open is how he handled it afterwards. You know, he's just, I don't, you know, um, they said that Alcaraz has often said that he is his biggest, uh, foe on the court. And I think it's true. And I think time will tell if Sinner is the better player. It's way too early for that. They're both young, but right now he definitely is. Yeah. It's, it's weird because Alcaraz, you know, kind of came out of the shoot proverbial shoot already playing well, reaching number one fairly quickly, whether he earned it or not because of Djokovic's vaccination status. But he seemed to have a grasp on how to win almost immediately where they've always talked about they being tenda, tennis pundits, not us. They've always talked about how Sinner, you know, had to learn his way a little bit, and and he has done that. And he, you know, he would take what even last year, right? He would win a tournament, and then he'd lose in the first or second round of the next tournament, and then win a tournament, especially late, even late in the year. And then it seemed to turn around, really at the ATP Finals when he once again beat Djokovic, and then he got murdered by him in the finals. But then he turned around and beat him in the Davis cup. And ever since then, it just seems like not even his confidence. I feel like he's always had a humble kind of confidence, but just his belief that he, he is truly, he's, he's one of the two, if not the one, he's one of the two best players in the world. He's better than Alcaraz is right now. 
clearly since July, Alcaraz has won no tournaments, right? And right. and Sinner's won five. Um, but I, I just feel like maybe he he has a if this sounds weird, but I think he has a higher ceiling maybe than Alcaraz, just because Alcaraz's game doesn't it's not really growing, where Sinner is still evolving. I mean, he he could he could have a better serve even though his serve is great. He he moves around the court as well as probably anybody except for maybe a young Mofi, right? I mean, the guy gets to every ball and he hits every ball with pace and he's learning to have touch. Um, he's just, he's having a phenomenal year now. Every player he'll, he'll probably, um, if he goes unbeaten, that would be fantastic. That's never happened before. That's not going to happen. He'll probably have issues in the clay court season, things like that. And, uh, but I mean, he's, he's definitely, I, I, the thing I like about him the most is that he, he's not coming across like any differently than he was when he wasn't winning last year. He seems to have the same approach. Except, you know, as far as he's winning, but he's not like he's not too high, not too low. And I think that's important. That, that's kind of different with Alcaraz. He does have the company line where he's like, he's like, yeah, you know, I'm playing well. I'm happy with how I'm playing. Um, the good thing is, you know, his angle injury doesn't seem to be too bad. But he Alcaraz is struggling. And I think he's, as you pointed out, I think he's fighting on how to get over that. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure he knows how to do that where Sinner would have learned his way through it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, I mean, again, I, I want to ask you this, this, this Netflix slam that's coming up on early March, March 3rd, is it? I think because yes. Indian well starts on the sixth, I think it's the sixth, but you know, Alcaraz sounds like he's going to be able to play in that. So the ankle injury is not too bad. Is that something do you, do you how much do you care about that exhibition match? I mean, I, 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 we're gonna watch because we're tennis fans, right? But I care. It, make it a bigger. Okay, go ahead. I care because we know that Nadal. We don't know how much he's gonna play. We want to see these two guys together, same country. Part of Alcaraz's problem is he is from the same country as Nadal, and he's got that footprint to follow which is impossible Sinner has already broken the glass ceiling in Italy so he's he's the guy and you're right his humility his demeanor his approach hasn't changed I credit Darren Cahill with a lot of that because Darren Cahill is a winning coach but for my opinion on Alcaraz is he's too physical and I know that sounds weird but I think he works himself too hard perhaps in training, but also on the court. I don't know. I just think and maybe that's the youthful energy that I no longer have. But like, if there's a way he could dial it back a little and save it, I don't know. I've thought that ever since the whole cramping French Open Djokovic disaster. But that's not a fair way to judge him because that was a big moment, whatever. But yeah, it's happened a couple of times. You're right. Yeah, but it's, I mean, the ankle injury that that happens to everyone. We saw it happen with Zverev, where it hurt his a whole year, right? Right. But it, with, I, I agree with Alcaraz. Is he's bulked up more than most tennis players, and and I'm not judging that. Could be good or bad, but that's not, you know, he looks he looks healthy. He's strong. That's not necessarily something you need in tennis. You need flexibility and quickness. And I'm not sure all, the muscle really adds that much power to his game. You know, there, there are other players. And, and so I'm, I agree with you. I think his, as far as his, he, he is overly aggressive. I think he'll learn. We, it's easy to forget he's 20 years old. Right. But I think he'll learn not to be, I hope. But he should be learning that already. And it doesn't seem like he is. 
to me. Um, you know, whereas uh, even Djokovic, they all have to adjust. Every great player, every player period has to adjust their game, uh, not just to the foe, but uh, to themselves. Like, OK, this this has not worked for me. I need to stop doing this or I need to develop this part of my game. Um, I mean, Djokovic still doesn't have the best serve. I mean, it's very inconsistent, um, but he does other things, uh, obviously, higher than most other mortals could ever do. Right. And I, I see that a lot with Sinner, too. I think he his game resembles a little bit of Djokovic. They both move well. They both hit shots. I mean, Alcaraz hit shots that, I mean, I haven't even seen Djokovic hit. But but we are starting to see maybe that that big two develop. I, I, we have a big three with Djokovic, but he, he is. It's interesting. What do, what do you expect from Djokovic the rest of the year, especially after the way he started? Um. Well, I don't expect him to win the French Open. Uh, what? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that would be that would be totally out of left field if he won the French Open to me. But that's impossible. When, no, there's no left field in tennis, Wendy. When um, the Olympics later in the year, if he's still fresh and pretty good, I expect him to be, especially in the running in New York. Yeah. And, and Cincinnati and, and, and all that, the summer lead up. It is weird. We have like Wimbledon, the Olympics, and then Cincinnati, and then it's like bam, 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 bam. Right. Um. So I wonder if a lot of players, Alcaraz has been burnt out by the end of the year, either through injury or just hasn't had the same form. I wonder if that, how that all affect him. Well, some of them, I think, I think Alcaraz played too much at times, and I think Fritz plays too much at times. I don't know. Early in the year or just overall? In general. And I don't know how you do that because you're managing the points and you want to keep your ranking because you don't want to drop. It's like a whole big math problem, how to figure it out. Plus, it's the logistics because Damon R., that poor soul went from the Netherlands <laughs> to Mexico. I mean, I don't even know how stupid. long that takes. It was cold. It was hot. How in the world was he ever... There was just no way. Nothing of taking away from Mickelson, no. But um, he was at a disadvantage. And I thought to myself, why did he bother to go to that tournament? Yeah, 100%. I think that was on his team. I 100% agree. It's like it, it didn't make any sense why he would choose to, oh, yeah, I'll do this one. Unless he's just playing at the highest level that he's ever played at, which he is. And he was like, oh, I'm hot. I need to just keep playing. It's like that's not – that's not tennis. I think that's that was his. I don't know this obviously, but I feel like that was his team's decision instead of his. If it was his decision, his team probably needed to be. Ah, let's take this week off. You probably need the rest moving forward because it's only February. But um, yeah, as we talked about um, pre-pro, that's what we call it on the other because pre-production um, before the podcast starts. Um, we talked about the match with Mickelson and he um, this week, and Mickelson just he looked. The much fresher player Demonard did not look fresh. He was he was missing missing long on a lot of shots, um, both with his forehand and his backhand. And p- part of that was the pacing and placement of what Mickelson was doing because he played. He he. The thing with Mickelson, he didn't look like he played over his head. He looked like how he could always look once he. he again, he's only nineteen, but once he gets to be twenty two or twenty three and develops some more consistency with every part of his game. Um, he looks like he could be. He looks like a top five, top five player. He looks like a top three player the way he played um, this week. 
Um, and I wonder how the rest of the tournament will go. And of course, on next podcast, we'll be talking about, hey, Mickelson lost his next match, like six love, six love. What happened? Right. Um, which reminds me, what what do you think about Sabalenka? I mean, it was like, she she clearly has the ability to be number one. She was for a short time last year, and she looked great Australia, and then she just got destroyed. Okay. Um, Here's what I think. <laughs> I, I like how you started that. Okay. Now I'm going to get into it. Sabalenka has one strategy, and that's to hit hard, serve hard. Everything is top-notch speed and pace and all that. There's no plan B for her. She's gifted because most of the time plan A works. But when plan A leads to double faults, unforced errors and stuff, she doesn't have the plan B, or maybe she's not confident in the plan B to um, like another one to dial it back and slice, dice, pace. I don't know. I, she's a power player, period. That's it. Yeah, it's, it reminds me of uh, Rebecca, right? Except she's a, she's a notch above Rebecca when they're both playing well, but they both have power and they don't seem to have a whole lot of other stuff. Um, whereas Fiontech, you know, is has the ability to to do a bunch of different things, um, even though power is still sort of her game and she needs to work on her serve. But yeah, Sabalenka, I want her to. She's such a, a, a breath of fresh air. Oh yeah, um, she's great for the sport. Yeah, that I want her to continue doing well, and and she's what 25 now, so I'm not sure how much more she will develop her game if she's able to actually develop her game. I mean, Sviantek's only 22. And then you've got Coco's still 19. Coco seems like she should be 32 years old at this point. seems like she's been around. But she's only 19. Um, I mean, we have all these young kids. And we can call them kids because we're both in our 80s. Um, but we have we have all these young kids who are just uh, – for a while, they were talking about tennis. Like, okay, well, we've got Djokovic and Federer and Nadal. You know, it's like, what what's going to happen after that? Well, I think tennis is in good hands both on the women's and men's side. I mean – I mean, we've got such good young players that for the next decade plus, we're not going to have to worry about anything. Agreed. Um, Agreed. And then you, and we had Roger Federer play till he was 40. And I don't know that we're going to have that because the amount of talent coming behind at the youth movement is, I worry about my favorite American player right now, Taylor Fritz. I worry about him getting aged out because He's in that middle years, Jessica Pagula, kind of the same thing. They're going to get, you know, phased out by these younger players if they don't yeah. soon win. Jabor, who's not, not American, but in the same situation. Right. Um, yes, there's another one. Maria Sakari is another one. Um, you know, there's there's plenty of them because it's getting younger and quicker. And even on the women's side, too. You're right. You can think of the men. They're all so young, so those men. Um, you can think of Ben Shelton. He's also a young American. So, the Sabalenka yeah, think, of men's tennis? Hmm? The Sabalenka of men's, ten, or of, uh, men's tennis? Right now he is. Yeah. He is. I, I don't know if he – I wonder if he needs to change coaches. I, his yes. dad seems like a good dude, and, and he obviously is knowledgeable about tennis. But I, at some point, he's got to change. you got to have a fresh set of eyes, right? Because yes. he's not changing anything. That's the reason that Coco Goff won last summer. I firmly believe it. Because her parents stepped back. Because Ben Shelton's dad wasn't coaching. You I'm, know? Not, I'm joking. 
Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that's, and that's getting back to center and we're jumping around a bit, but oh, well, it's her podcast. We can do what we want. And I think that's one thing that really helps center is his parents are, are just hands off. Like we don't, we don't know how to do, we don't know how to make you better. Just go enjoy your life and be a good tennis player and go skiing every once in a while. Right. Um, and, and I think that helps them um, quite a bit where as far as Holger Rune, it, it hurts him. It's, he's got a, I know his mom recently came out and said she's not going to be at all his tournaments. Clearly, his coaches are not going to be at all his tournaments because he can't seem to keep any. But it's something's going on there that's just like he. But he has a new two, coach. You've heard that, right? Yeah, he's got a new coach, but he changes coaches all the time. I mean, how many yeah, coaches has he gone through since last year? He, he well, seems now, to have. It's like nobody wants to be around him for too long. Well, he's recycling this one, Patrick. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's correct. Well, who? Who will only feed him some collagen and he'll get banned for four years. Well, but, who may or, I, I thought maybe he would end up suspended at should. some point through this Halep thing. So I was surprised that he was the coach. Yeah, I, I think he should. I think he should get suspended. To me, it's unfair to suspend the player who's not in charge of their, even though they should have a little bit more control. Halep wasn't Simone Halep who's banned for four years. For people who don't know what we're talking about, they've just stumbled onto this podcast. She's banned for four years for taking a, a I don't like the word. They use the word banned. It's not really banned. She's suspended for four years, right? Banned. I mean, suspended and she can't play. She's not banned forever. But she took a, a controlled substance that she shouldn't have, even though I don't think she knew that was based in collagen. And her coach, Patrick, uh, did know that he w- didn't know the substance was in there, but he knew what she was eating. And I agree. I think she shouldn't be the one that gets suspended. It should be the coach, but he's, He's done so much that it's harder to maybe they can't ban him. I don't know what the rules are. What do, what I don't do you know think? what the rules are on that either. But this, however, this turns out, it's going to be an interesting precedent. Like she unknowingly took this supplement that had this substance that was not in the ingredients list. Nobody thought it was. I don't think he realized it was either. Can, until I, can I interrupt you for just a second? Yes. I'm not saying what the banned substance is because I don't know how to say it. <laughs> Just right. for the record. Right. Something like that. Yeah. But I mean, it's going to be an interesting precedent because if you go back however many years to um, Maria Sharapova, who took a banned substance, who I think was it's a similar circumstance. She didn't know she took it or her people gave it to her. She she was suspended for whatever amount of time so this how this turns out will be an interesting precedent as we move forward in this type of scrutiny in the sport yeah i guess we'll know march or april i think right on on if they if her if her suspension uh, gets shortened in a year if it gets if she has served enough time already okay. so we'll know then um and i i think she's you know she's not in the same form she used to be. But before this all happened, I think she's good for tennis as well. She sells the sport well. She's great to interview. Um, she's effervescent. Um, and it's just kind of, she's remained that way. Even in the, when she came out of the courtroom, what was it, two weeks ago, whenever it was, three weeks ago, when she came out of the, the courtroom and did that really short thing, even then it was like, oh, this is, uh, she has a great personality, um, mm-hmm. whether you like her or not. I mean, she has this thing coming up uh, in the summer, I think, right? May or June with uh, in in Romania. Oh, I meant to tell you. I had this weird dream last night. 
Um, but for some reason, and I'm not making this up, everybody's like, where is he going on this dream? I had a dream that I was coaching the Romanian tennis team. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, I swear, I don't know why Romania, like I've never been there. I haven't really thought that much about it. It's like I know that their language is the closest thing to Latin of any of the of the Latin languages. That's what I know about Romania. And I know Simona Halep is, is Romanian. But none of the players, Hercats was on the team. None of them were Romanian. And it was just like I have no, but it made sense in my mind. I, I, it, until I woke up and was like, wait, who was on this team? I didn't, It in my dream, it made sense that I was coaching the Romanian tennis team and none of the players were Romanian. I thought you were going to take credit for uh, the big upset of Cristea, if that's how you say her name. Yeah, of yeah. Rose. I thought that's where you were going with this. That in your <laughs> no, but dream, she, she's you played really her. well over the last couple of weeks. She won a match she shouldn't have over Vondrosova, but she's anyway. Collagen, you know what I'm saying? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you're I'm right. Halep's good, for, Halep's good for the sport. Um, she was good for the sport. She still is. I will be curious. There's so many things that we'll, we'll find out. If she is reinstated early, how will the players react to her? How will all of that um, play out. I don't know. I don't know. Because, you know, in America, we tend to, well, maybe I shouldn't make that generalization. We tend to judge people and, you know, treat them kind of harshly. And yeah. we might, people might think she got away with one if she comes back early or it's unfair. I mean, there was already talk that maybe she, people alluded to the fact that she beat Serena Williams at times over the years, not any time when she tested positive for anything, but they were already making those abstract arguments because of this incident. So I don't know how people are going to react to her when, if and when she comes back. I hope good, but we'll see. Yeah. And stop being so logical. Jeez. Really <laughs> ruins the podcast. Um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I, our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs. So your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Agree, because it's yeah, and the thing with sir I mean, all the great players, and I thought this even that was a great point to bring up, but all great players, every player, period, loses from time to time. And it's almost like, oh, something something must be wrong for them to lose. It's like, that's just tennis. Not Human every, nature. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, every, what McEnroe has the best men's record at all time. Right. And I think he lost what three or four matches and was it 78 or something like that? I mean, even he, 
everybody loses. If you lose a match, you're out of the tournament. So that's three or four tournaments you didn't win. I mean, it's not everybody. Even Djokovic finished last year as well as you anybody could possibly finish because he, he won everything he entered. But right. even before that, he didn't. It's just, I don't know. I want to ask you, why is Taylor Fritz, and I don't have anything against Taylor Fritz. I like him too, but why is he your favorite American men's player? Um, I don't really have a good reason. I've just been following him over the years, and I'm just waiting. I want him to to win. I just want him to win one, and I'm like, I see what Djokovic like does to him every time, and I'm just like, come on. Yeah, I think the potential is there, and I'm just wanting somebody to break Andy Raddick's record. And at this particular moment, to he might be the one. I don't know because I don't know what's going on with Big Phil. A year and a half ago, it's too I inconsistent. Him. I, I like him too. I, I think he's. I like. I like. Well, I, I guess if I had a favorite men's player, it would be Tommy Paul, just because he seems like he's one of us. Like he's a regular dude who's out there. He just has this ability to play high level tennis. Um, like I don't, I, he just seems like a funny dude. Um, but like a natural person. I, I do. I think Fritz, we don't have Shelton could be it once he develops a little bit more. We don't have an American men's player who, who, who is dislikable and Shelton won't be either, but he does have a bit of arrogance that the other ones don't have. And TFO is just, he's fun. You kind of want to hang out with him. Um, but he, he is fun. they're all too inconsistent and Shelton just has, if, if it was just serve, if it was just serve and you win, then he probably would win. Uh, that's one thing I like about this Mickelson kid is that he, he, he was bombastic and in, in being demon R, but I think he also has the ability to develop some touch, um, over time he has to, but, um, I'm glad that we have some young Americans. I mean, TFO and Paul and Fritz are not young young anymore they still you know it's funny because their their window is closing ever faster right but i feel like mickelson and, and shelton especially like shelton at the u.s open or maybe wimbledon um it could develop into like a grand slam winner but yeah you're right it's been when you mentioned Andy Roddick, i was like oh that's wait a minute that is that's crazy when you think about it that seems like so long ago um, <laughs> And Eubanks, we didn't mention him, but he had a great summer last summer, too. And it was it was a fun ride. But you're right. Nobody is consistent. I wish one of them would call Andy Roddick, get him off his podcast and get him the coach. And oh, I man, I love Andy struggling. Roddick's podcast. I love Andy. Rod- I love just politics for a second. I love Andy Roddick, Roddick's politics. I love how he commentates on tennis. Oh, no, I think he's he's outstanding. But I think one of the American men need to call him ASAP because I think they're missing an opportunity for him to coach and get him to the next level. No, I I, I love Andy Roddick, but I think if we're going to get somebody to to do what he did, it's going to have to be him that helps him get there. Yeah, yeah. Um, It's just we we went through a stage where, especially in the 90s and early 2000s, ended with Roddick, really where we had some great American men's players. Right. And we, we don't need, and we're tennis fans. We don't, if we don't have great American men's players, we don't stop watching. I enjoy it just as much, if not more. Um, it just depends on player to player. And I, I, it does get a little bit, you know, with the Davis cup and, and Billie Jean King cup and things like that. United cup, it gets to be more national. 
Um, but I don't look at Medvedev and Rublev and think, oh, they're Russians. I don't want to like them. You know, it's oh, like, yeah. I, I, lo- I love those guys. Um, I feel bad for Rublev because I think he he's like Zachary, right? It's like, get out of yeah. your head and, yeah. and you'll be better. I think that's a very good comparison. I, I agree with you. No, I feel the same way, but I love Medvedev. I love his demeanor. I think he's a funny guy. I like his relationship with Rublev. I like all that. But every year when we get to the U.S. Open and we mention Andy Roddick and we're like, oh, it's been a generation. Yeah. You know, I want one. I want to see. I, that's why it was so great to see Coco Golf win the U.S. Open. Yes, we've had Serena. Yes, we've had people. But to see someone from the next gen win at home, it was nice. Yeah, and with Sloane Stevens, it it was great to see, but it didn't feel like it was long term. It was like, right. oh, this is great. With Coco, it seems like, and again, she's only 19. It, it, she, it feels like she's almost disappointed too much. And then we have to remember she's 19 years old. Um, but I mean, yeah, winning the U.S. Open. Um, she has so much athleticism that I don't know if she ever, if she has the game to develop, if that makes sense. She can move around the court. It's almost like, it's almost like she's Monfi, right? In the fact that they both can move around the court so well. Yes. Um, her game is better than Monfi, who's yes. making a, a play pretty well over the last few months, thankfully. Um, Cause he's, he's so great to watch on the tennis court, but it's, when he's healthy. When he's healthy, right? Um, that it you want them to do well, but I don't know if they. It's I, I still need her to develop her game more instead of just being. When she won the U.S. Open, she just literally, she wouldn't. If Sabalenka had played literally anybody else, she would have won in two sets. But but Coco Goff was running everything down. I mean, it was inhuman what she was doing. Um, just to get the ball back. Um, so it was it was great to watch because of the athleticism. I just don't know if she's able to. And again, she's 19 years old. I keep saying that to remind myself. But when she gets to be 25, if her game is developed more, she should have many grand slams. She doesn't. She's not Serena Williams because Serena has had the power that few players ever had. Um, and then she also had touch. Um, golf's a different player. So hopefully people aren't think oh serena she's the next serena she's not she's nothing like serena she's a completely different player but i would like to see her develop her game and be more consistent and um, because i think she's great for tennis too and i don't care that she's an american she just comes across as um very bubbly um and smart and and well-spoken and good for the good for this knows how to sell the sport uh mature beyond her years and the way she handles things i think well, she's been on the I know she's 19, but she's been on the WTA tour for 25 years now. Yeah. So, seems that way. Yeah, just keep her healthy. That's the thing. What do you think about all the injuries already this year? Um, I they they seem to come up earlier in the year, though, right? I mean, uh, we get yes. injuries later in the year. I, I think it's just because they're so used, and you can totally correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, and I could be. But they play tennis is such a grueling sport if you want to. And you kind of pointed that out earlier when you were talking about all the tournaments people have to play because the ranking system is kind of weird. Right. In tennis, it's not like, oh, you get these many points like, okay, well, you won it last year, but now you're a semifinalist. Well, you're losing points. It's like that's kind of weird. So it kind of forces you to play a bunch of tournaments throughout the year. And the tournament and the season really is there's one month off. 
and, and even that month they're not really off they're playing exhibitions or whatever else right so if you're a top atp player your season ends maybe with the davis cup but atp finals went fairly late into november so you have a month off and then you're back to december but it's almost or in january but it's almost like that one month off their body is resting to some degree but then it's a jolt to get back and you're just not physically ready to immediately play a grand slam event almost and then a bunch of tournaments and then you've got the masters 1000 in early march it's it's too much they need that that there needs to be fewer tournaments and they need to be spread out a little bit more in my opinion and then you would see players stay healthy i mean the alcaraz thing got kind of lucky with um fans and the player because it wasn't as bad as it was but yeah i i there's just too too many tournaments it's too hard on the body tennis is the joints you know it's not like i mean you don't have a neck injury like football but you have elbow wrists ankles right knees um it's just it's too much Look at Paula Bedosa. Look at that. Look at a back injury that has been yeah, back. back breaking for her career. Um, I mean, I, I feel so bad for her because I want her to come back and be what she was starting to be before all that. And I, I don't know. I don't know because it's a lot of starts and stops for her to try to try to get there. This is off the subject for just one second because um, I definitely want to continue on this. The Eisenhower pairings. Yes. Are, are they – Bedosa and Tsitsipas are they're, – they're a pair. Yes. We're going to get it. We're going to get Tsitsidosa. But how Yay. much – Like, doesn't that seem weird? It doesn't seem random. No, that's not random. I mean, so I, I'm. how do they do the Eisenhower pairings? Well, um, a lot of times it's by country, but last year – Fritz won it with Sabalenka, so that threw the country thing out the window. I mean, Sitsipas was with Sakari last year, but a tennis would have been missing an opportunity if they didn't pair the two, but I don't know oh, if she's going to play. I got you. It would be a colossal letdown. But, I mean, Pagula is playing with Tommy Paul, I think, so there's some country alignment, some not. Okay. It just seemed like, oh, okay, this is what people want to – it just – it seemed odd because I was like, okay, How, well, somebody like, okay, these two are dating clearly and they, and they need to be a pair. You can't have Bedosa with Alcaraz, you know, or right. something like that. Right. Um, so anyway, but yeah, uh, getting back to the injuries. Um, yeah, this is, uh, CC boss had a back injury too, right? And the ATP finals had yep. to pull out withdraw. Yep. Um, but yeah, I am, am back. I, you, you mentioned back and I didn't, which is correct because the back can, especially with serving, if you're tall and lanky, um, that can definitely have effect on your career longer than anything else, uh, just like a basketball player. But I, I think to me, that's what it is. It's just there's too many tournaments. And I know the players complain about the scheduling and it's, it's you know, events are making money and that's what they need. It's the players to, to play. They want to. You know, much of the smaller events want to pay the men more than the women, but it's still the women have to play to keep their ranking up and the rankings are important for seeding and then money and yada, yada, yada. But I just think there's there's far too many tournaments, especially early in the year. And then, you know, later in the year, there's a little bit fewer because you have more of a grand slam. You have, you have the French Wimbledon and U.S. Open in basically a four month span. Right. And then you've got uh, Cincinnati sprinkled in. It's just like you've got too many major tournaments in that part of the summer. Um, and then there's just not – they're having to play these smaller tournaments early in the year, and there's really no need for it. But you have to play them to keep your ranking. 
right. what do you think? I think it's too many tournaments. And if you look at some of these tournaments, they're not even selling out. I mean, yeah. wouldn't it make more sense to try to consolidate some of these tournaments or I don't know. And then some of these matches go late into the night and then you've got like, yes, the which is ridiculous. Sisula. That's the, a huge problem. The late night matches. And that. I, I mean, they promised, oh, a 15-day Australian Open. Well, okay, nope, it was just as bad. I mean, we got lucky because we're in the United States. But those players, I mean, Medvedev played, how many times did he play until 3 or 4 in the morning? It was ridiculous. And that's right. another injury risk. Right. And then he was playing, I don't know how he did what he did. Because he played less than 24 hours, I believe, after he got off the court from his really long match. And he hasn't played since. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know. I, mean, I, I don't blame him. Um, I mean, you know, he's he's a good sport. I mean, some people is like, oh, you know, I'm, he's he has a very wry sense of humor, and a lot of people don't understand that he's being tongue in cheek. His, oh, his like sense his of sarcasm. humor is almost English more than Russian, right? Yes, I like his sarcasm. I think he's. Oh, smart. I do too. <laughs> when he stares into the camera at the U.S. Open and says, "Yeah, they're gonna kill one of us one day." I mean, it's just like, <laughs> I mean, it's it's. Tim it's, is. It's, I'm a hardcore specialist. I love that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He, he, I remember him being interviewed last year when he was like, because he'll win a bunch of tournaments, which is the the thing about him this year is he hasn't played those tournaments other than yeah. the Australian Open. So he's he he's fallen to number four. He's not going to catch up. Alcaraz is the one that's at risk, I think, of anything. Yep. Uh, because Center's going to keep if Center keeps winning, which there's no reason he won't. I mean, he may not win every tournament, obviously, but he doesn't seem he was more impressive. In the Australian Open, he just ran over everybody until the final, right? It was mm-hmm. crazy good. But and then when he won his most recent tournament, um, you know, he he had to battle a lot, and I think that's mm-hmm. good for him, and that he was able to um, to overcome, learn to overcome, keep overcoming, and then you know even struggling with himself at times, and then winning. And I think that only helps him moving forward. I wanted to jump on something you said about the tournaments and not selling out. I wonder if, and they won't because there's all this money involved, but to me that should go into factoring, do we keep this tournament or not? Because you saw the tournament in in uh, Argentina. Those people were insane. The crowd yeah. turned up. They were into it. That's what you want from a tennis crowd. It almost yeah. felt like you were watching the Davis Cup match. Yes. And then you watch these other ones and it's like, okay, well, nobody's nobody's in the stands. This is a high-level women's match, and nobody's there. It's like, right. why Why are you even there? Why is this a tournament? Right. I agree. It, it must have to do with money and sponsorships and all that stuff I don't know about. But I ask myself that all the time. I'm amazed. And, okay, maybe some of them are during the day or whatever, but there's still night matches, and the night matches aren't even selling. Yeah, and those Argentinian, Argentinian people didn't care. They were there whatever the match was. Oh and, yeah. And they were so into it. And I loved it. I mean, I, I watched the, I watched that tournament more because of how the crowd was. I mean, right. sometimes the crowd even annoyed me like, okay, be quiet, but at least they were into it, which you have right. to respect instead of like, Oh, okay, well we all show up. I don't understand how the tournaments eventually the sponsors, I guess the sponsors would pay if there's viewership, but the tournaments themselves aren't making money on concessions and souvenirs and all that. Cause nobody's there. Right. It's like, it makes no sense. Right. Um, yeah, but I, I, that's my, I think we agree on the injury issue. There's just too many. Um, and this is an Olympic year, and I'm concerned about the people that are hurt already. Because I don't know how they're juggling the Olympics. And the Olympics aren't 
a point event, correct? Mm-hmm. Correct. So, I mean, unless they've changed it, so which they've done with the, some recent ones. They did that with uh, with the uh, United Cup, right? It had points involved, which I I think they revamped that a little bit. Yeah, I, the Olympics could be a point event. I'll have to look into that. This is a tennis podcast. We should know that, but eh. I don't Who think it that? is. I don't think I, they. Have I agree. Points. It shouldn't but, be because it's every four years. So it shouldn't. Why would you gain more points every four years? That doesn't make any sense. So. Right. But the tournaments that you might not play to prepare for that, you could still be penalized. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know what's going to happen to the Washington, D.C. tournament that most everybody plays. I think it's right around the Olympics. Is it even happening? I don't know. Maybe not. Or maybe oh, yeah, there's going to have the people that don't go to the Olympics at that tournament. Yeah, city starts. Yeah, it was late July. And, and last year, if I remember correctly, or very early August, but which, which is when the Olympics are going on. Right. I mean, they're, they're so consolidated. You finish Wimbledon, then you have the Olympics, and then you have Cincinnati, if nothing else. A city has to be in there somewhere. But, I mean, Cincinnati's right there in the middle of August. It's it's That's too much. Are you going from they, – and they do this anyway. I, I don't even know how they keep up with their own schedule. It's like, okay, I won this tournament. I immediately – because – the guy who won the Argentinian uh, Argentina Open immediately was playing in Rio. And it's like, how do you you catch a plane? It's not like it's next door. Right. It's crazy. Um, Plus, the Olympics are on clay. That's a whole other piece of it. Yeah, real on They're going to be playing in the different surfaces all summer. Yeah, and which is. And that's the whole thing about the balls, which I didn't know was a big issue. But it is because. A lot of the tournaments use different ones with different weights. And people are saying that's some of the uh, elbow, shoulder, wrist injury factor, too, because it's a different ball and a different surface at a different city. Yep. And people think that's not a big deal. Ask a baseball pitcher what he thinks if the ball gets a little bit heavier. It's a big deal. Ask an NFL quarterback if they change the football, how he (laughs) feels. You mean if they (laughs) deflate them? Yeah. Um, (laughs) At the the Olympics, I think they're actually using the balls – People sign though, so they're the really big balls, uh, so it'll be a little easier. <laughs> well, the only good thing is right now in Dubai, I noticed they're using the balls from the Australian Open, but normally that's, it's the sponsor that decides all that, and that's a mm. money thing too. It just seems like the players are a commodity, and these tournaments are maximizing how much money they can make on them, but they're still human beings that. Uh, are athletes that somehow both the WTA and ATP need to take care of them. Yeah. They're just, but they're, they're like, you know, self-employed, right? Right. Basically. Right. So uh, we are next podcast we do, we're going to jump into speaking of money, the Saudi influence and what we think of that. And then we'll probably also talk a little bit of Indian Wells masters 1000 and some other things coming up, but that's our show. Thanks for listening to the first Lob and Smash podcast ever. Hopefully it went well for you guys. We enjoyed it, and we'll check you next time. I don't know how you guys live with yourselves. One day at a time. One day, One at, day a time. at a time. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.